Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Girl CEO Podcast, the playground for female entrepreneurs. My name is Ronnie Brown, and I'm the author of Amazon's best-selling book, From Mopping Floors to Making Millions, and was once a teen mom turned millionaire business mentor. I created my Girl CEO community for women like you. Girl CEO, you are a trailblazer, a creative, an innovator, a boss, and a woman who knows that she deserves more. Join me each week while we uncover what it truly takes to be your own boss and become a successful girl CEO. And don't worry, sis, I got you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Girl CEO Radio, the playground for female entrepreneurs. I'm Ronnie Brown, your host. And with me today, I have one of my favorite women who has definitely defeated the odds. Go ahead and introduce yourself. So, hey, I am Pollyanna Reed, and I'm a millennial woman who has fought for her dreams and won. I'm so excited to be here and dive into my story. Love it, love it. So tell all of the Girl CEO listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's funny you asked me this question because you and I are on public platforms and many times the conversation is around what do you do? And I just want to encourage listeners to also not just identify themselves as the title, but understand who they are beyond it right? If you were stripped away of all the likes and the comments and the title, like, do you know who you are? So for me, I am a creator. Like my life assignment is to help people see beyond the limits of their circumstances. And I do this through the vessel of storytelling and strategic planning. So I am an author. I'm a public speaker. I'm a mental health advocate. Um, and I run an agency called The Writer's Block, which is a ghostwriting firm, in addition to a mentorship platform called New Girl on the Block. I love that. So let's talk a little bit about the humble beginnings. So when did you know that you wanted to be a writer? How did you fall in love with writing? How did all of this come about? Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up an underdog, right? I am a preacher's kid. And so with that being said, uh, I lived in a bubble, to be honest. Like I always felt confined to the four walls of my environment. And so I was encouraged and conditioned to play it very, very safe growing up. When I when I would go to school, I felt misunderstood. I felt awkward. I had social anxiety. I lived with depression since I was a child. And so I didn't always fit into the cool kids club. So I spent a lot of time alone growing up because I was bullied. So I would eat lunch by myself in the girls' washroom, in the library, in the cafeteria. And that's honestly in those quiet moments where... I fell in love with writing because I would doodle in my notebook, I would write in my journal, and I would literally just paint the vision for my life. When I get out of this instance, when this circumstance, this is what my life will look like. And I would literally just write down my dreams. And so I knew then that I wanted to be a writer because that was when things were perfect and peaceful, even if it was for only a few moments. Wow. So let's talk a little bit about those experiences in school. How did that affect you? What were just some of the things that you battled with internally after going to school and being bullied? Uh, What were some of the things that you thought about yourself once you got home um, as a teenager? Yeah, I mean, I would constantly 
call my mom crying. I hated my circumstance because not only did I struggle socially, but academically as well. Like I maintained a C and D average. I was picked on by my teachers. I asked for extra help. Uh, I felt as if my peer group and my faculty did not show up for me. So I was always in the back of the classroom and I felt stupid, to be honest. Like I I think oftentimes when we grow up, you know, we the messaging at school is that you can be anything and everything you want to be. And then when you actually raise your hand and you express what you want to do, then they're like, you need to be more realistic because of your grades or because of who you are. You're a woman, you're a woman of color, et cetera. So I, for me, it was just a lot of conflicting messages and that's where the depression hit because I was like what am I actually going to do with my life if I want to do something but the people around me are not supporting me in those choices so how did you come out of that depression is real and and I know a lot of people they go through those stages in their life and some people say you know I went to church I got this friend that came in my life and she really made a difference what are some of the things that you did to really get out of that dark place I didn't get out of the dark place for a long time so when I entered my senior year in high school, I went to my parents and I told them that I wanted to be a journalist. And they looked at me and they said, no way. Like my, I failed grade 11 and 12 English. I failed grade 10 math and science. So traditionally speaking, I didn't earn that right. So I entered a college program that they chose for me. And that's when I, you know, I was missing a lot of school. I was staying in bed for days, weeks at a time. I wasn't socializing. So the depression was in the depths during college. This was 2007, 2008. My second year of college, I made the attempt to take my own life. And when I survived that attempt, I took that very seriously. I took it as a sign that God put out a safety net to catch me. And I knew that second chances existed. And so with that being said, I made the choice to be an active participant in my life and raise my hand. So following that year, I went to see my doctor and I was officially diagnosed um, in 2010. Wow. So how did your parents take that after figuring out that you were really going through depression? Did you all have to work on that relationship? Because I hear a lot of people talk about the impact uh, with the relationship of their parents, how it just really it is one of those things where you can be at the peak of your life. If that is not where you imagine it should be, it is just kind of like the biggest distraction of all things. I, I even to this day, I mentor so many women and they have things from the past that they have not really gotten over. Like my mom let me down or she wasn't there for me or she left me with my grandma. They're still battling these things at 35 and 40 years old. Yeah, so for me, like I, so I believe in emotional baggage. I've experienced a lot of trauma when I was younger. And so I have spent a dedicated effort really trying to right any wrongs or apologize or relieve myself of resentment or anger or frustration. Today, that relationship with my parents is healed, but it definitely took time. And I think it's important to be patient with ourselves. And even if our parents don't show up for us, like you have to understand that they are only, they're doing the best that they can. And they sometimes they just don't know what they don't know. And so for me, it just took time. And like, I got to a place where I simply was not going to let labels, limitations, or a skewed vision, like put me in the same dark place that I once experienced. Like when I got that second chance, I was like, okay, God, we're good. I get it. I hear you. And I'm not playing around. I was, my next immediate step after dropping out of school was to acquire a mentor of my own. 
found her on Facebook. I asked her to dinner and we're actually celebrating our 10 year anniversary this year. So mentors have played an enormous role in my life. I also have vision boards, journals. So I knew that I could not depend on when you're realistic with yourself and you know who you cannot depend on, then they just get out of the equation. So I knew who I could depend on and I made sure that I was very focused in that vision. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people underestimate the power of mentorship. I have tons of women that reach out to me online and they're like, yeah, I really want to have you as a mentor. And they don't want to invest in mentorship. And I'm like, you're missing out because you'll go pay 400 or 500, even a thousand dollars for extensions or nails or just outfits for the weekend. But the mentorship is where the true value is. So what would you say to someone who's on the fence and they're at a space where they're trying to build a business and they don't have mentorship that they're investing in? Well, the statistic is that the survival rate for a female entrepreneur declines by 50% if she does not have a mentor. So for me, mentor, it just makes sense. Mentors allow you to edit your work. Mentors mentally and physically change the game, right? Like I'm not going to struggle out here by myself if I don't have to, if there's someone willing to show up and invest in me. But as a mentee, I also have a very important responsibility to show up for myself, to show initiative, to go above and beyond, right? I mean, I've experienced on the mentor side, you know what I mean? It's the most disappointing thing as a mentor is when you don't receive a thank you. Or if you, if the individual has not showed you how the advice has applied to their life, it's supposed to be a two-way street. You know what I mean? Like, and as a mentee, I just made sure that I was not going to take this time for granted because I was so grateful for someone to actually see me. Wow. There are just certain I believe levels in life where you need mentors in different areas. Do you have mentors for different areas of your life? Yeah, so I have six mentors and they guide me in different areas for sure. I think that a mentor does not need to look like you. I have five mentors of color. I have one white male mentor and that's because the world of business is built for white men. And he tells me what happens at the boardroom. He tells me what happens around the table. And I appreciate those very transparent conversations. I also have mentors who are train me physically or they help me with my mindset spiritually or they show up for me in my career. So I think it's very important to just, just be open-minded because you don't know who God has put in your corner to bless your life. Just like with romantic partners and friendships, like we have these lists, but oftentimes, sometimes love does not come packaged the way you thought it would. So I keep an open mind because you can learn a lesson and a blessing from anyone. I definitely agree. So let's talk a little bit about where what happened with college. Did you finish college? Did you get the degree? Uh, how did that work? Yeah, so I went to college for business administration. It was a two-year program. I actually decided to walk out of the classroom one day and just didn't look back, to be honest. This is after I recovered um, from really? my attempt. Yeah, and I just said, this is not where it's at. Like, I turned the world into my classroom. So between mentors and just like having vision. I'm a self-taught writer. I'm the best in my field. I'm a senior contributor at Forbes. I am, I've been a journalist for 10 years. I'm a ghostwriter. Many high profile teams tap me on the shoulder and consult with me. So for me, I think it's a matter of traditional education. Don't get me wrong. It's very valuable. And I, I do believe at some point I will go back, but for me, if you want something badly enough, you will teach yourself. You will become so obsessed with it that you will fight for the things that you love and that you believe in. I have girlfriends who have four-year degrees in journalism and I run circles around them. 
You know what I mean? And so for me, it's just like, I just have so much fight, so much vigor, crazy, insane work ethic that I'm not playing out here. Like nobody is going to. I'll work gonna, Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I say that all the time. I feel like from the people who have come from those places where the struggle is there or the poverty is there, they just seem to be a little more hungrier. They want it better. They're more consistent. They're going after exactly what they want. And they are saying, I want this. I'm going to get this. Nothing is going to stop me. And like you said, I have friends that have gone to college for many, many years and they're very complacent. They're very comfortable. They're struggling to kind of figure out what's next for me or they're waiting for that next raise where I feel like a lot of the time when we come from that struggle environment, we are just, we have that goal. We have that number in front of us. We know what we're going after and we work really hard to get there. I think that the other thing is, is really understanding your why. Like when you come from a place of trauma, when you come from a place of, dark days when you are willing to give up your life for something when you are when you have been broke girl listen like my family has weathered a lot of financial storm like that shit pushes you you yeah. know what I mean like they, like I can be moved to tears when I think about the places that we both come from it's like I'm not going back there I don't want to yeah people ask me that they say Ronnie what keeps you going every day I'm like growing up in a crack house I'm not going back to that crack house I'm not going back to struggling I'm not going back to mice I'm not going back to roaches Like I'm not going back there. So every single day that I wake up is really, what are you going to do today to stay where you are? When you come from that environment, you wake up. That is a gas that fills your tank. And that's what people don't understand. And I think that if you don't know what motivates you, and that's always a weird question for me, like what motivates you? It's like, there's a level of emotional intelligence and self-awareness that's necessary before you even get into the matrix. You know what I mean? And I don't think people spend enough time with themselves to have and have those conversations with themselves and ask themselves those tough questions in order to answer what motivates me? What is my purpose? What is my life assignment? Why am I here? I like, I'm... I've had those conversations so I can go out into the world and I can pour into it. I totally agree. And the fact that you literally picked up a pen and you've started drawing out your life and creating that that canvas, this is what my life is going to look like. It's mind blowing to all of the listeners that we have tuning in today, all the girl CEOs, some of them are at a space where they feel stuck. Some of them are at a space where they are really ready to give up. Some are in college. Some have dropped out. What do you want to say? What would you say to someone who is looking to get their feet wet in entrepreneurship? They're looking to create a brand that is going to pay their bills every single month. What would you say to them? Yeah, I think honestly, like, Number one, be patient with yourself. Number two, turn your frustration into motivation. And number three, like when you start a brand or business, like I mean, the whole like definition around entrepreneurship is identifying a need and taking the initiative to fill it, right? I don't necessarily think we need any more t-shirt lines. I don't necessarily think we need any more. Like you really have to think about like, how can I solve a problem at a community level, industry level, or the world at large, right? So if you're really trying to do that, and I had to have that conversation with myself because I started as a blogger, as a freelancer. And I'm like, this is cute. You know what I mean? Like, this is cool. But like, if I want to meet my financial goals, if I want the life that I've always envisioned for myself, I'm going to have to find my blue ocean strategy. I need to pivot. And so that's when I looked into ghostwriting. So any lane that you're in, 
understand that you can provide a unique value. You just need to figure out like, how am I going to carve a path for myself so I stand out? People, there are very few women my age, let alone women of color, who are at the like level that I'm at in terms of the writing field. And I totally agree with that. And I want to jump in really quick because... You have just done so many amazing things that people would feel like I would need a college degree to be able to do what she's doing. I know people are blown away when they realize that you kind of walked out of the school and you never look back. I do this thing called the Girl CEO Brag Party, right? I want to kind of jump in and do a little bragging. Can you tell our listeners just some of the things that you've done and you literally, because I know we have those outer body experiences where I found myself doing certain interviews or being in different places or speaking on stages with people that I really have looked up to and I'm like, wow, like how the hell did you get here? (laughs) Yeah, like what's so interesting, so I keep a gratitude journal every single day for that reason because we experience so many peak performance experiences at a high level, I'm afraid I'll forget everything. So I try to track them, but if I have to say something that comes to mind, so I was a side hustler for 10 years. So I started my first company at 21, but that didn't mean that I didn't have one foot in the corporate world. 2018, I nearly tripled my salary. So in my business, right? So that gave me the ability to leave in February of this year and not look back. Another thing is, so I'm a senior contributor at Forbes. Out of 2,300 writers, I'm only one out of two women of color who hold that title, senior journalist or senior contributor. Wow, that's Um, that's, I'm very, like, proud of that. Just, I personally just can't believe it. And then the other thing is, it's like, uh, so in the field that I'm in, I'm constantly pitching to celebrities, their agents, athletes, politics, like, my clientele. And when I'm in the rooms with people and I've been able to develop this trust, I am always in awe with some of the contacts I have in my phone, with some of the heart-to-heart connections I've been able to establish. And I think at the end of the day, no matter like what lane you're in, in terms of business, people want to work with cool, smart, interesting people. It's a vibe, it's an energy. And when I'm able to achieve that with someone who like I've dreamed of working with, it always takes my breath away. Wow. Now let's talk a little bit about your book. Yeah, sure. (laughs) What is the title? So my first book was released in 2014. It's called Everything I Couldn't Tell My Mother. So going back to what you said about emotional, personal baggage, I released that book because I was like, I'm going to write about it and be done with it. Right. And that was my olive branch to really bridging the gap between us. And then my second book uh, came out recently. It's called Mixed Emotions. And it's really, it's co-authored by my business partner, Andrew. And it's really about my journey to how I became a six-figure woman before the age of 30. So it really breaks down the things that I did, how I did it, the mindset, et cetera, in a lot of detail. And where can they find these books? I mean, anywhere. Books are sold. Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Waterstones in the UK, Chapters in Canada, anywhere. Love it. So you were originally more of an introvert. You told me you were more to yourself. You spent a lot of time writing. You went through being bullied at school. And now you've really stepped into your greatness. You're you're speaking. You're on stages. I see you at summits and conferences. And I'm like, look at my girl. Then she's working out. And then she's back speaking somewhere else. Let's talk a little bit about coming out of that shell. Because I believe that you just don't go from introvert to public speaker. 
Right. So it takes a lot of energy out of me. So I'm an ambivert. I'm actually both an introverted and extroverted. It takes a lot. I ha- have to spend a lot of time alone with myself to build up that mental toughness and that courage and that strength to perform at a high level in front of other individuals. So when you see me on stage or when I'm doing anything public facing, please believe that right after that opportunity, I am home. I'm under the covers. I'm just like, I need to chill out a little bit. There is a resource I'd like to provide the audience. Her name is Susan Kane. She has wrote a book called Quiet. So it's, uh, it studies the power of introverts in a world that cannot stop talking. It's a fantastic book. Many of my peers can vouch for it. She has a really great TED Talk as well, a sit-down interview with Marie Forleo. And I do feel like we can't live in a world with only extroverts. And someone who's both, just do everything at your own pace, right? Your strategy is just going to be a little bit different. Love it, love it. So were there any moments during those times where you were like super nervous? You're like, oh my goodness, your your palms are sweating. How did you get out of that phase of... Public I'm still speaking. scared of everything. Scared of everything. <laughs> so you're like, do it afraid. Yeah, like I'm still scared of everything. The dark things that crawl, speaking in front of crowds. And I think it's healthy nervousness, to be honest. Like, I think people paint successful people as superheroes, as if they're not human beings. They don't have feelings. They don't get scared. I had a pitch meeting this morning and I was crazy pissing my pants. Like I was really nervous, but, and it's not to say I don't know my shit because I'm very confident in my abilities, but sometimes you have the expectation of yourself that you want to do well and you want to be excellent because oftentimes, I mean, you only get that one opportunity to impress. So for me, I just do it scared and I just know that everything I want is on the other side of that fear. I love that. I really, really love that because fear, it really holds a lot of people by. People don't start businesses out of fear. They quit businesses out of fear. Fear is just one of those things where it can literally paralyze you in your life and you'll never move forward. Right now, you have your company and your company is literally a ghostwriting company. You guys write for a lot of different people and you have a staff of about how many right now? Almost 30. Almost 30 people. So that ranges in a lot of different capacities. So you have your researchers, your ideators, my director of business development, but that could also scale to my designers for my PowerPoint. Like I outsource a lot. My designers for PowerPoints, my transcribers, my interns, my assistant. For me as a CEO, I learned quite quickly from the CEO of LinkedIn actually, that my role is to make sure we don't run out of money. My role is to sell and grow the business. My team's job is to maintain the business and that's what they're there for. I love it. So how has it been dealing with all those different personalities? Is there anything that you would say to a girl CEO that is listening and they're just really getting to the space where they're going to have that one to five employees? If you could do it all over again. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So the first person I hired was an executive assistant and she kind of wore multiple hats. I have definitely struggled when it comes when it came to um, uh, my management style. I grew up, my father's a military man, he's a lieutenant. So for me, we didn't celebrate participant ribbons. If you were not one, you were none. And so I had to really try my best not to be a monster boss, not to be a drill sergeant. I refer to my team as ninjas. We move swift and silent, and there's definitely a level of expectation there. Excellence is the bare minimum, but I have to try and also be empathetic because people are not necessarily built like me. People have families, people have feelings. So I think learning your management style and building a team culture that's uh, celebratory is very crucial. 
Love it. Love it. And what are some of your favorite apps or programs that you've used that just have made your business easier? So for my mentorship platform, definitely Calendly. So I allow my mentees to just plug themselves into my calendar. I mean, we, my whole team is on uh, Google Docs. We use different project management systems like Asana. Honestly, my assistant, so I have a I have a main assistant and then I have like an intern who steps in as an assistant sometimes. And she really helps me with my calendaring. She helps me with my flights, my travel. Like she is the glue to all these pieces. Another thing is hiring someone in operations. Now I have a director of operations. I actually split my firm 60-40 with her, which is a big deal. Typically I wouldn't, but she brings so much value to the table. Now she helps me, helps me with the project management side and helps me with managing the team. And then she's the bad guy. She doesn't care. Like she'll tell a client like, no, we're not doing this. Um, So, so yeah, so that has been a relief on my part too. Love it. Love it. All right. Any apps, any apps for the cell phone that have made it easier for you? Your go-to apps? Honestly, like I can't, Gosh, I really just honestly, my talent, like I think one thing that's so important is time management. I think most people, they think that they lack time when the truth is that they mismanage it. Got and it. I had to say anything that was super critical because I actually, so in my corporate arena, I was an executive assistant to CEOs and presidents. So I have, I was locked in, tuned into how they function in the corporate world. So calendar and, is your life. <laughs> and across the board, calendar management is the number one thing that they, have on lock. So I think that honestly, if you want to be successful in business, you need to figure out how you are spending each day and where you're allocating your time. So my Google calendar app, just like making sure like I'm on track for appointments, making sure that, you know what I mean? Like I know the, like what materials I need to prepare for the meet, like just making sure I am prepared and ready for the next thing is very critical for me. Love that. And your go-to social site? Go-to social site. You can for only- business or just pleasure? Both. You can only pick one. Okay, so for pleasure, Mr. World Premiere. So that's where I get all my ratchet TV. <laughs> <laughs> and for business, uh, Forbes. Like I, different, let's say different online magazines. So Forbes, New York Times. I consume a lot of content. And social media platform. Oh, definitely Instagram and YouTube are my favorite for sure. YouTube because I, so I have a videographer. He follows me around everywhere. And we have, for me, I'm not trying to be a YouTuber. I want to be a documentarian. So I'm just like chronicling these memories that I want to cherish. And then for Instagram, it's just, I mean, it's how I discovered you. It's how I met many of my business besties. And I just thought if you use it right, it could serve you very well. I totally agree with that. And I think so many people are taking social media for granted. And there's this little voice in the back of my head where I always tell people, you better hurry up and just use it now because I have a feeling that it won't be free for long. I just have a feeling that it's going in that direction. And it's kind of like you get accustomed to something for so long and then you need it. And then they come and slap a price on it and you can't live without it. So it's like, you better use the social media right now while it's free of charge. And I think we already see them kind of going in that direction with, I'm hearing talks about the likes disappearing. So you won't be able to see the likes. So I think that will force people into the direction of spending more money on like ads. So Facebook is going to be like a billion dollar, probably already there advertising company. That's kind of already happening. So I'm like, guys, if you have a business, you better hurry up and start using your social media for good. 
Yo, social media has made me a lot of money and connections. And one thing I will say, another tip is that like, if you are pitching your business or you're trying to get client, like don't be intimidated by titles. You'd be so surprised how many individuals are actually quite responsive on DM or like they're watching you. You don't even know. So like, regardless of the likes, comments and shares, continue to do the work because you don't know who's watching, what power they hold. Two more questions and then we're going to let you go. So for people out there, I always get this question. When should I hire? a PR company you shouldn't (laughs) (laughs) my my friends in PR get so pissed when I say that they gonna beat you up after this podcast okay (laughs) it's a luxury it's not a necessity if you know how to work the system and what I say by that if you have great communications and social skills you should naturally even before you need PR or press or media you should naturally be connecting with gatekeepers so the television producers the casting directors the agents the stylists the makeup like the people who are the glue the writers if you don't have friends in your circle who are writers and connected to publications you're with like I don't know what you're doing hold on so you're gonna tell me that they don't need to go spend three thousand dollars on a retainer to get a PR person to no not at all and I I teach this to to entrepreneurs like you just need to know where to find the contact and you need to know how to deliver a great pitch and oftentimes if you befriend somebody like any of my girls who are my homies I'm definitely looking at you I'm observing and when I feel that like I feel like there's a synergy there I will do more I'll be more than happy to put you on I think people cry out for press out of desperation and it's mm. like honestly if you are dope you will attract the opportunities mm. that, that you, you will attract everything that you have earned this like, is just true. do interesting things that warrant attention like you can't be regular schmegular degular and then expect to be on Forbes like I have people who pitch me all the time and they just think oh because they have an inspiring story like that's it that's not it oh let's talk a little bit about that part like yeah, this is a business platform and the thing is if you are a superhero or if you're not popping on a local level you shouldn't even be talking to me yet wow so the story I think you know the story thing is kind of going crazy right now everyone thinks that because they have a story they have an opportunity to get it out there (laughs) I think that you have to comb through that story and figure out like what is the like most important core message when I get pitched an inspiration story honestly that's beautiful that's great but what's in it for my audience if you pitch to a publication you have to assess who is the reader and how does my story apply to the reader so it's not just about your story but like is there are you addressing a need or a problem in their life that they can apply right away yeah and I, I believe that there's a difference between telling your story and being an actual speaker yeah and- Like, what is your expertise? A lot of people don't even know that. They don't even know what their expertise is. They just think because they have a good story that they can play in the game. You cannot. Yeah, because that 30 minutes on stage and you're speaking on a topic outside of you growing up as a teen mom at 16, like that's your story. But when you're a speaker, there are topics that you have to go in and you have to speak on. There's a difference between a storyteller and an actual content speaker. So I think people really have to learn the difference. Um, Last question. How do you pitch yourself the right way? 
we don't have that kind of time but <laughs> but I'm i try to help y'all I try to help y'all I try to slide that in last question <laughs> honestly okay so if i have to say okay quick thing so number one to get a contract to get pressed you need a contact right so you want to find your contacts on twitter do an advanced search and type in keywords editor writer everything will like if you go to people everything will pop up this is free game y'all this is free game right now you can also go to a website called hunter.io it'll find any email at any company too okay the next thing you want to do is your approach then you want to figure out what publication right you want to actually know before that study what i've written about if i'm writing about mentorship don't pitch me on fashion or science or tech like figure out the writer you're going to approach and make sure you cater to that writer's expertise and then the next thing is what's in it for the reader so don't just tell me your story tell me how you're going to solve a problem that my reader has Wow. I love that. Thank you so much. I think that that was really, really powerful. And and I just want to say this to all of my girl CEOs. I, I have like a, a old shirt that we used to have through my nonprofit organization to say, God is my PR. And the reason why I believe that if you're really just working and your head is down, people are going to hear about you. They're going to know about you. You know, they're going to see the work that you're doing. And I believe that you won't have to pitch yourself to anyone. You'll have people, I've had moments where people were pitching me, I didn't even know it. I'm telling you, like, I rarely pitch myself to speaking engagements. I mean, I have, like, actual client work to do. So I'm not, I mean, recognition is cool, but honestly, you have to be willing to just do the work, even if you do not get recognized a single day in your life. Like, are you still fired up and passionate about it if you didn't get paid or if nobody acknowledged you? Yeah. You know, it's a good bonus and add-on, but that should not be the driving factor. I love it. I love it. Exactly. And sending people DMs on Instagram and, and attempting to get featured and all of that crazy stuff. I believe if, if you're just out there making a difference and making that impact, the press will come your way. Yeah, I agree with you completely. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Paulina. Can you give everyone your website? Yeah. So you can visit paulinareed.com, newgirlontheblock.com, or thewritersblock.com. Love it. Love it. Thank you for joining us today. And I love everything you're doing. Congratulations on all of your success on being a senior contributor at Forbes. And I cannot wait to see where your business goes in the next year. Guys, thanks for tuning into Girl CO Radio. And if you have not joined our Girl CO community, make sure you get on board. Lives are changing. Mindsets are transitioning at girlcoinc.com. And we'll see you guys on the inside. Have a great day. Bye. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.